I am pleased to be joined by former Toronto Maple Leaf captain, former NHLer, and author of his brand new book called Catch 22, Rick Vive. Rick, how are you? I'm great. Uh, a little tired. I had to get up early this morning for an interview uh, uh, earlier this morning, and I was up a little late watching some TV, but no, I'm good. I'm good. Amazing. Now, my first question to start you off is, do you have any favorite hockey memories from your time in the NHL? Um, well, I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of them that I would, wouldn't be able to go through them all. But uh, obviously my first NHL goal was big, was a big moment. And uh, I, I scored that obviously when I was in Vancouver. And uh, so, so that was pretty special to get your first NHL goal. And uh, of course, you know, the first 50 goal season in Toronto was pretty memorable. Um, yeah, other than that, I, I can't think of any more that were, I mean, I wish it was a Stanley Cup winning goal. That would, I mean, that's what you play the game for and, you know, what, what you're looking to do uh, as an NHL player. But unfortunately, we, we never got there. Absolutely. Now, you actually brought up my next question for you by saying the 50-goal season. You were the first Toronto Maple Leafs to ever reach that mark in the 1981-1982 NHL season. Um, describe the feeling of what that was like, and maybe uh, could you describe the last goal, how that went? Uh, well, it was pretty special. I mean, it was a – like I said, I, I, I didn't even know that nobody had ever scored 50 in Toronto until – I got to about 45 and then they started telling me and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, like all the great players that played in Toronto for whatever, it was like 70 years or 65 years at that point and uh, nobody has scored 50 and they said no. And I said, oh, okay. And then got four actually the next game against Chicago and got broke Frank Mahavos' record. And then he came down the next day at practice and had pictures taken with me and everything, which was, really cool that that he would do that and uh then the next game uh i remember we were on a power play and the puck billy Derlego came up the boards and got a, gave it to the point man got it back and went to the other side i i pretty much knew exactly what what he was doing and trying to draw a few people over to him i just got myself open on my off wing and he threw a beautiful backhand pass across and uh there was I mean, I made sure that it, it, Mike Liu was, wasn't going to be able to get across to get it. I, and I, that's kind of the way I, I always, my thinking was that if you get that opportunity, put it through the net, like make sure you shoot it hard so that that guy can't get across and stop it. And that, you know, that's exactly what happened. And that, that was pretty special. Now, my next question for you is, um, you were also named the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, how did it feel being named the captain of the team? Well, I mean, obviously it was, it was a heck of an honor. I mean, you know, it's not every day you get named the captain of an NHL team, let alone the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, but it was kind of weird as well because they never really sat me down and asked me. They Harold just said, you're the captain. <laughs> and I was kind of caught in a situation where I was 22, I figured I might need a year or two more before I in, in the league before I was ready to take on that role. 
but at the same time knowing Harold that if I said no, he was probably going to trade me. And at that point, I was really happy in Toronto, did not want to leave Toronto. And so I took it. And uh, yeah, there were some, you know, few challenges, but I had Borea Salming sitting right beside me and he helped me a lot. And then the team got a lot younger and I got a little bit older and that made it a lot easier. So really it was the first year was the only year. And, and I won't say it was that difficult because like I kind of led by example. And I just figured that, you know, if I did what I did every night and that they would follow. And uh, so, I mean, I guess that's probably pretty much all you can do. I, and I wasn't a guy that stand up in the room and yell and scream or anything at, at my teammates. If anything, I just, you know, would say something calmly like, hey, you know, guys, we're still in this. we got two periods to go. Let's just buckle down and, and see if we can't come out of this with a win or something, you know. Uh, I wasn't a yeller or a screamer. Now, we talk about your hockey career. How has how do you find the game has changed between your time in the NHL and to today's game? Well, first of all, I mean, there's a lot of things, but it's a lot younger. Um, I mean, in my day, I mean, probably you, you probably had half your team that were late 20s, early 30s. You don't see that very much now. A lot of that obviously has to do with the salary cap. Um, there was a lot, it was a lot more physical probably on a regular basis when I played uh, game in and game out. And I'm talking even just a regular season. You see it now when you watch, you know, the semifinals and the finals and, and the playoffs, it gets kind of a lot more physical. Well, that was kind of like our regular season. Um, and it's also pretty much an 11 month a year job now. I mean, uh, they're training 11 months a year now and uh, they got their own skating coaches and skill coaches and you name it. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't have any of that back in the eighties. Um, so yeah, that, that's a heck of a lot different. Uh, the game has changed that much. They took out the red line. So, the game has sped up quite a bit as well. And, uh, you know, that, those are the major differences that I notice anyway. And how important would you say mental health is in the game of hockey, not just for around your time, but also for around today's game as well? Like, Well, you know, obviously it's very important and, uh, you know, like I was, I, I was misdiagnosed and, you know, they said there was nothing wrong with me and I had, you know, bad anxiety problems and didn't find out until I was 35 when I was coaching. And, uh, you know, today it's, it's much different. They have sports science teams. Uh, you know, if there's some, if there's a problem, they, they get you to the, the best doctors and you get them right away and you get, they take care of you. I mean, they, and that, you know, that's good. I'm glad to see that finally, you know, the player's health, uh, whether it be mental health or physical health, is taken care of in a, in a much better way than it was even, you know, 20 years ago, never mind 40. And, uh, you know, so I, I think it's great. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have that when I played. And, and because of that, you know, you, you probably missed more time with 
little minor injuries than he probably would have today. And my last question for you here, Rick, is you just recently wrote your new book, like I mentioned earlier, Catch-22. You're actually holding a virtual event with Indigo on December 8th. Yeah. How, not how, um, can you talk to me about the idea behind writing Catch-22 and also maybe how people can sign up for this virtual event on December 8th? Uh, That, I don't really know. I think they're going to advertise how to do it, I think. Uh, in the next, well, I think they already have started. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it really because, uh, you know, they're, they've been really good uh, Indigo chapters and, you know, the fact that because of the pandemic, we can't go across the country and do book signings in person. Uh, I mean, this is the next best thing. And uh, as far as writing the book, it was, you know, I've been asked many times to write books. I said, there's two things uh, I'm not ready. And one, the other one was the only guy I'll write it with is with Scotty Morrison because Scotty and I have developed a, a pretty close relationship and I trust him a hundred percent. And, you know, I had a, our first grandchild, a grandson almost 16 months ago now. And uh, my boys are doing great. And my wife and I are, we're here in Niagara Falls and, and you know, I'm in, I'm in a real good place right now. And I, and I, so back in uh, October, I guess it was, we started because I called Scotty. We met with uh, Penguin uh, Random Publishing House and um, hammered out a deal and because I was ready. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it, I, I can't tell you what it is. It's just the feeling you get that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm happy. I'm in a real good spot in my life right now. And I want to share my story. And I guess that's kind of what, where it came from. Rick, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this interview with me. It's an honor and a privilege to sit down with a former Leaf captain like yourself and a former player. Well, I appreciate it, Cameron. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, hope uh, you stay safe. And, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get to do this again some other time. Or maybe in person. Hopefully, I look forward to that. Guys, Rick Vibe, former Toronto Maple Leaf captain, former Leaf player and NHL player, author of his new book, Catch-22. And don't forget to go check it out, the virtual event out on December 8th on Zoom with Mr. Vibe himself. Guys, for Radio Humber, I'm Cameron Capobianco.